إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we reach the statement of the author where he states وَالتَّسْلِيمُ عَلَىٰ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ أَجْمَعِينَ And to give the salam, the taslim upon all of Allah's servants. To give the greetings of salam to all of the servants of Allah. So this is talking about the issue of giving salam. Ifsha'u salam amrun matloob. Walahu al-athar al-tayyibah. Giving the salam, saying to a person, Assalamu alaykum, or Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, or Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Giving the salam upon a person to a Muslim, then this is something which is good and it is something recommended in Islam. And there are good benefits to this, to giving the salam. Firstly, when a person gives the salam, when you give salam to someone, then you get reward for that. There is reward for giving the salam to someone. There is reward in giving the salam to a person. أَوَّلًا أَنَّ الْمُسَلِّمْ يُؤْجَرْ إِذَا قَالَ السَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ اِكْتَسَبَ عَشَرَ حَسَنَاتٍ وَإِذَا قَالَ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ اِكْتَسَبَ عِشْرِينَ وَإِذَا قَالَ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ ثَلَاثُونَ If a person says, Assalamu alaykum to someone, he gets ten rewards for that. And if he says, Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi, 20 rewards for that. And if he says, Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, then 30 rewards for that. Also, Annahu yakunu sababan fi isha'atil mahabbah wa sababan fi dukhulil jannah. Giving the salam to each other then it is from the reasons of spreading love between the Muslims and from the reasons that would cause a person to enter paradise. So giving the salam, giving the salam to each other, it brings about unity between the Muslims and it brings about love between the Muslims and it is a cause and a means to entering paradise. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَا تَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ حَتَّى تُؤْمِنُوا You will not enter paradise until you have iman, you believe. وَلَا تُؤْمِنُوا حَتَّى تَحَابُوا And you will not have this iman until you love each other. أَوَلَا أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ إِذَا فَعَلْتُمُوهُ تَحَابَبْتُمْ Shall I not show you something? The Prophet ﷺ said, 
Shall I not show you something? If you do it, then it will bring love between you. If you do it, then it will bring love between you. Afshus salama baynakum. Give the salam to each other. Spread the salam to each other. Afshus salam ala man arafta wa man lam ta'rif. Give the salam to the Muslims, a person who you know, even if you don't know. A person who, even if you don't know him, he's a Muslim, give the salam. Yani, meaning, do not make the salam just to the people that you know. Don't give the salam only to people who you know. But, give the salam to others too. Doesn't have to just be only the people who you know. Your friends, your colleagues, your classmates. But other people too. Even if somebody you don't know him but he's Muslim, give him the salam. وَإِذَا كُنْتَ مَا تَعْرِفُهُ تَمُرْ عَنْهُ لَا سَلَامُ وَلَا كَلَامُ كَمَا يُقَالُ هَذَا قَدْ يَكُونُ مَنْ شَأْهُ الْكِبْرُ وَاحْتِقَارُ النَّاسِ But if you were to walk past someone and you don't give them salam, as they say, لَا سَلَامُ وَلَا كَلَامُ That you don't give somebody salam, you don't talk to them, nothing. Then in that way, maybe that could be because you are proud about yourself. Maybe you belittle other people. So do not be in that way. This will be in opposition to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants for us to do. Allah wants that the Muslims should be united and together. And their hearts should be connected. And to have love between the Muslims. Allah said in the Quran, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةً That indeed the believers are brothers. فَالْمُسْلِمُ يَسْعَى لِأَسْبَابِ التَّآلُفِ وَأَسْبَابِ الْمَحَبَّةِ وَالْمَوَدَّةِ وَلَا يَسْعَى فِي الْأَسْبَابِ الْمُؤَدِّيَةِ إِلَى الْفُرْقَةِ وَالنُّفْرَةِ So a person must strive to do the things which are going to bring love between the people and unity between the people. Love and unity between the Muslims. And not do things which are going to end up making problems between Muslims, making problems between people so they run away from each other and they don't want anything to do with each other. That isn't the way that you should behave. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned, لا تحاسدوا ولا تناجشوا ولا تباغضوا ولا تدابروا ولا بعضكم على بعض وكونوا عباد الله إخوانا المسلم أخ المسلم لا يظلمه ولا يخذله ويحقره التقوى ها هنا ويشير إلى صدره ثلاث مرات بحسب امرئ من الشر أن يحقر أخاه المسلم كل المسلم على المسلم حرام دمه وماله وعظه وقال لا يدخل الجنة من كان في قلبه مثقال ذرة من كبر In these narrations the Prophet ﷺ is telling us about the behaviors of a Muslim that you do not have the envy towards a person, you do not have the evil thoughts towards a person, you don't have the anger, the hatred, you don't have these types of characteristics to each other. Instead, you have the goodness and the kindness to each other. And a person should not belittle anyone else. Don't think you're better than other people. Do not think yourself to be superior to other people. The Muslims, it is haram to take their blood, their wealth, their, their honor. And the Prophet ﷺ said that a person who has even a small amount of 
pride in their hearts will not enter paradise. فَقَدْ يَكُونُ الْحَامِلُ عَلَى تَرْكِ السَّلَامِ عَلَى النَّاسِ الْأُنْفَةِ وَالْكِبْرِيَةِ وَالْغَطْرَسَةِ Maybe sometimes a person doesn't give salam to someone else because you think you're better than them. You think you're superior. You think you are greater than them. Your pride gets the better of you so you don't want to give salam to some people. And that isn't the way you should be. وَهَذَا يُحَارِبُهُ الشَّارِعِ لِهَذَا أَمَرَ النَّبِيُّ سَأَسَلَّمْ بِإِفْشَاءِ السَّلَامِ لِأَنَّ لَهُ آثَارًا طَيِّبًا So this is something that the Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opposed, meaning that you should not abandon the salam. You should give the salam to the Muslims and there are good benefits to doing that. كَذَلِكَ يَا إِخْوَةِ مِنْ أَسْبَابِ الْمَحَبَّةِ وَالْأُلْفَةِ التَّرَاصِ فِي الصُّفُوفِ وَالصَّدِّ الْخَلَدِ وَتَصْوِيَةُ الصُّفُوفِ أَمْرٍ يَتَسَاهَلُ فِيهِ النَّاسِ Another point the Shaykh makes is that from the reasons or the causes of bringing about the unity and bringing about the goodness in the hearts of the Muslims to one another is to straighten the rows when you pray in the congregation. To straighten the rows and to be standing next to each other and to close the gaps. Doing that, then you are connected and you are unified. It is a great affair if a person was to become slack in that and not bother and stand away from everybody else in the line. Rather be together, standing together, closing the gaps in a straight line. This is what is required of a person and that is from the means of bringing about that mahabba, uh, that love and that unity and that uh, closeness between the hearts of the Muslims in straightening the rows and correcting the rows. Al-Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal, the Prophet sallallahu said that you must latasawunna sufufakum awliya khalifunna allahu bayna wujuhikum. That you must straighten your rows or Allah will cause the separation, the opposition between you. That you must straighten the rows and connect the rows, otherwise there will be differences that occur between you. And there are narrations, as it is mentioned in Al-Bukhari, the narration of Anas, وَرَوَى أَنَسْ كَمَا فِي الْبُخَارِ أَنَّ الصَّحَابَ كَانُوا يَلْسِقُونَ الْقَدَمْ بِالْقَدَمْ وَالْمَنْكَبْ بِالْمَنْكَبْ الرسول علمهم هذا الْقَدَمْ بِالْقَدَمْ وَالْمَنْكَبْ بِالْمَنْكَبْ So the companions, they used to stand next to each other, ankle to ankle, shoulder to shoulder. That is the way they would stand in the rows for their prayer in the congregation. Ankle to ankle touching, and shoulder to shoulder with the next person touching. So that the row is closed and it is together and it is united. Not that every person is spreading out and standing by himself with nobody to his right or a gap there and a gap to his left. That isn't the way. But the way is to be together, united with that row fixed, together without gaps. وَكَانَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ يُؤَلِّفُ بَيْنَ أَصْحَابِهِ حَتَّى ظَنَّ أَنَّهُمْ قَدْ فَهِمُوا ثُمَّ أَرَادَ يَوْمًا أَنْ يُكَبِّرْ فَالْتَفَتَ فَإِذَا رَجُلٌ بَادِيًا صَدْرُهُ فَقَالْ عِبَادَ اللَّهِ لَتَسُوُّنَّ صُفُوفَكُمْ أَوْ لِيَخَالِفُنَّ اللَّهُ بَيْنَ وُجُوهِكُمْ So the Prophet ﷺ used to bring this uh, unity between the companions and in the prayer to stand together 
until it was considered that they understood. But then on one occasion it's mentioned when the Prophet ﷺ was going to give the takbir Allahu Akbar to start the prayer, then it was noticed that an individual was standing outside of the row, not straightened. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, you must straighten your rows, otherwise Allah will cause differentiation between you, or differences to occur between you, between your faces. فالآن والله أعلم من أسباب الخلافات والفرقة إهمال تصوية الصفوف وإهمال صد الخلل وذلك سيء سيء جدا. So from the reasons of the differing between the people nowadays, one of them Allah أعلم the Sheikh says is because people do not straighten the rows and they do not connect the rows. They do not straighten the rows and they do not connect the rows. عن أنس رضي الله عنه عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال رصوا صفوفكم وقاربوا بينها وحاضوا بالأعناق فوالذي نفس بيده إني لأرى الشياطين تدخل من خلل الصف كأنها الحذف It is mentioned that the Prophet said join together and close the gaps for indeed I can see the shayateen coming into those gaps the shayateen entering into those gaps so the Prophet mentioned regarding closing the gaps and not leaving any space in between. Shoulder to shoulder, ankle to ankle. This is what is required of a person when they stand together. Otherwise, in the narration it mentions, تدخلوا, the shayateen, تدخلوا min الصف, The shayateen, they enter in the gaps of the rows, As if they are hadaf, hadaf like small sheep. The shayateen coming into the gaps. So this is something which is prohibited and the person should make sure that the gaps are closed and they are standing next to the person with their ankles touching and their feet touching so the row is connected and there are no gaps in between. This is the way the congregational prayer should be. So in the hadith, the Prophet said one of the ways that you will love each other is spreading the salam to each other. لا تؤمنوا حتى تحابوا أولا أدلكم على شيء إذا فعلتموه تحاببتم أفش السلام بينكم. The Prophet said, Shall I not tell you something which will make you love each other? Give the salam to each other. Say السلام عليكم. Say the salam to each other and that will bring about love between the believers. And that is what the statement of uh, Al-Imam Al-Barbahari means والتسليم على عباد الله أجمعين to give the salam to all of the servants of Allah. As for the disbelievers, then it is mentioned in the sunnah that you do not initiate the salam upon them. You do not begin the salam upon them. لا تبدأ اليهود ولا النصارى بالسلام فإذا لقيتوا لقيتم أحدهم في طريق فاضطروه إلى أضيقة كذلك إلى أضيقة كذلك أهل البدع وحاشا كعب مالك ومعه من البدع لما تخلف كعب مالك سينا هذا شيخي talks about also giving the salam to the people uh, who are not believers as a start for those people you do not begin the salam upon them and as for the innovators then again there are rulings that are mentioned regarding them <coughs> There are rulings regarding the innovators and avoiding them and not giving the salam upon them. 
Uh, and then the Shaykh goes on to mention regarding the uh, story of Ka'b ibn Malik. But inshallah that will come to another occasion. So then he goes on to say, وَالتَّسْلِيمُ عَلَىٰ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ أَجْمَعِينَ فَلَا بُدَّ مِنْ هَذَا التَّفْصِيلِ وَإِذَا قَالَ نَصْرَانِي أَوْ يَهُودِي السَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ قُولُوا عَلَيْكُمْ If a non-Muslim comes to you and says to you, Assalamu alaykum, then you reply and say, Wa alaykum. Just say, Wa alaykum. That can be the response, Wa alaykum. Uh, and this is how a person responds to the Jew or the Christian who gives the salam. Now there's a question. Hukmu raddis salam ala al idha sallama alayk. If an innovator gives you salam, then what is the ruling about giving the salam back to him? The Shaykh says, Wallah, ala hasab al-maslaha. Ida kana adam raddika lis-salam yu'addibuhu wa yirda'uhu an bid'ati fala tarudda alayhi salam. If an innovator comes and gives you salam, if you refuse to reply to him, and you don't reply to him, that will obviously have an impact on him. If that will have such an impact on him that he might stop doing the bid'ah, then that is good. Don't reply the salam. Don't reply the salam in that case if it will have an impact on that person because he will think this person is not even giving my salam back to me now. So then he will think about what he's doing and maybe leave his bid'ah. Then it's good. Don't give the salam back. In kana laka manzila, that's if you are somebody who has status, you are somebody who has position and authority. So when you don't give salam to that person, he feels bad about himself. So in that kind of situation, if you were somebody of authority, somebody of position, somebody of status, like an imam of the masjid, for example, and somebody comes and gives you salam, but the imam of the mosque doesn't give him salam back. Now that person will have some feeling in his heart. He will think, the imam didn't give me salam back. What are the people going to think about me? They're going to speak about me. The imam doesn't even give me salam back. So that person might think about his situation. He might think about the bid'ah that he's doing and he might leave that bid'ah. So this could be something which is useful for that person. It's beneficial if you do not give the salam in that situation. If somebody of position doesn't give the salam back. وَإِنْ كَانَ لَا مَصْلَحَ But if there is no benefit to be had, بَلْ فِيهِ مَفْسَدَ فِي عَدَمْ رَدِّ السَّلَامِ عَلَيْكَ لِنْعِكَاسِ الْأُمُورِ وَتَطَوُّرِ الْبِدْعَةِ وَيَسْمَعُ لَهُ النَّاسِ وَيَدْخُلُونَ فِي قِيلْ وَقَالِ وَتَرْجِعُ عَلَيْكَ وَعَلَى الدَّعْوَةِ فَاصْرِفْ هَذَا الشَّرْعِ النَّفْسِكَ وَعَنْ دَعْوَتِكَ وَرُدْ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ The Shaykh says, if the situation was that the people of Bid'ah, Ahlul Bid'ah, they have some authority, they have the control, and you may be the only person who is upon the correct way, Salafi. Maybe all these people now, if you stop giving them salam, there will be no benefit. There will be harm for you. All of the people, they will do bad to you then. And none of them will uh, benefit from that. They carry on listening to the Mubtadi'a. Then you're not getting any benefit from that. Then just give the salam back and move along. In that situation, just give the salam back when there is no benefit and the harm will be greater. Then... Here the author says, 
ومن ترك صلاة الجمعة والجماعة في المسجد من غير عذر فهو مبتدع والعذر كمرض لا طاقة له بالخروج إلى المسجد أو خوف من سلطان ظالم وما سوى ذلك فلا عذر له He says that whoever leaves whoever abandons the Jum'ah prayer and also the congregational prayer in the mosque without a reason then he's an innovator and the excuse like being ill and you don't have the ability to come out of your home to go to the masjid for example or if you are fearful of an oppressive ruler who may do some harm to you other than that then there is no legitimate reason he says so the sheikh says in the sharh فَهَذَا كَلَامُ حَقٍّ This statement of Imam al-Barbahari is the truth. لَا يَتَخَلَّفُ عَنِ الْجُمْعَةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ إِلَّا أَهْلُ الْبِدَعِ The people of innovation, they are the ones who do not come and pray the Jum'ah. They are the ones who stay away from the congregational prayer. يَخْرُجُ مِنَ سَرْدَابِ حِينَ إِذِنْ يُسَلُّونَ الْجُمْعَةِ وَيُجَاهِدُونَ مَعَةِ أَمَّا الْآنَ فَلَا جُمْعَةً the Shaykh, he talks about some of these people of innovation, how they do not come to pray the Jum'ah, they do not come to pray the uh, congregational prayer because they are waiting for their Imam. They are waiting for their Imam. مثلاً الروافض لا يرون صلاة الجمعة حتى يخرج إمامهم الموهوم يخرج من سرداب They are waiting for their Imam to come out from the, the mountains or the cliffs or the caves. They're waiting for their imam to come out and they believe there is no congregational prayer or jum'ah until he comes. هذه عقيدتهم استمروا عليها قرونا حتى جاء الخميني وأقام لهم دولة فصاروا يتظاهرون بخلاف مذهبهم وعقيدتهم فيصلون الجمعة والجماعة والله أعلم أن هذا سياسة منهم. These are rawafid. They had this aqidah and they were waiting for all this time until Khomeini came and then he made this country for them. And then they pretended and they came out and they started praying the Jum'ah and the Jama'ah. And maybe this is just politics from them. But then he says, العذر الذي ذكره كمرض لا طاقة له بالخروج إلى المسجد For example, somebody is so ill that they have no strength or ability to come out of their home to go to the mosque. مرض شديد يقعده عن الخروج أو يعرضه للضرر a person has some severe illness, he's not able to leave his home or it will present some great harm to him if he does. So in that type of situation, the person can stay at home and pray if there is some severe illness which is preventing him from leaving the home. Also, أَوْ خَوْفٌ مِنْ سُلْطَانٍ ظَالِمٌ سُلْطَانٌ ظَالِمٌ إِذَا رَآهُ فِي الْمَسْجِدْ أَمْسَكَ بِهِ Maybe there is an oppressive ruler. If he sees you in the mosque, he will uh, arrest you. He will take you. Or maybe the army of that person will come and take hold of you and arrest you and imprison you if they see you going to the mosque. That type of reason could also be legitimate to stay at home and pray. وشعار من شعارات الإسلام يجب المحافظة عليهما ويجب حضور المسلمين المساجد. So these are from the signposts of Islam, the congregational prayer. So you should attend and you should be in the congregation for that prayer. Particularly like we've said before, here in this city you have this masjid, a Salafi masjid. Many cities in the UK they do not have them. Many places there are no Salafi masajid. 
In this city you have a masjid that is upon the way of the salaf. Ahlu sunnah wal jama'ah, not bid'ah, not sufis, nothing. So you should come and pray in that congregational prayer here in this masjid. This is the masjid you should be praying in alongside Ahlu sunnah, not going to any other masjid to pray. The other masajid, encourage the people to come here. Give them da'wah. Tell them to come to this masjid instead of going to these other places in Baltimore where they do all the bid'ah in the masjid. All the Sufis and the Tablighis and the Diyubandiyya and all of these different types of sects, they have different beliefs and incorrect aqidah, mistakes in aqidah, bid'ah that they do, all these things. So you should advise the people to come here to this masjid so they can learn the Tawheed, they can see from the people how to do the prayer properly, how to do the congregation, they can see there's no bid'ah here, everything is from the sunnah. You should encourage them to come here. That is what should be done. Not that you go and go to the other mosques and just pray there and not give anybody da'wah to come here. This is where you should encourage them to come. وَإِذَا كَانَ يَنْتَظِرِ الصَّلَاةَ فَلَا تَزَالِ نعم. أَوَّلًا إِنَّ لِلْمُصَلِّي أَذَّاهِبِ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ بِكُلِّ خُطْوَ يَخْطُوهَا حَسَنًا a person when he walks to the mosque, every step he takes to the mosque, he has a sin removed. Or rather, he has a good deed given to him. And a sin removed. And he is raised up in rank and status for every step that he takes to the mosque. And if he is waiting for the prayer, then the angels, they are giving the prayer upon him. Allahumma ghfir lahu, supplicating for him, O oh Allah forgive him, Allahumma arhamhu, O oh Allah have mercy upon him, fafi thalika fadlun kabir. So there's a great virtue in that, you're waiting for the prayer and the angels are making dua for you. Wassalatu ya'ni ma'al jama'a tafdulu ala salatil fadhi bi sab'in wa ishreena daraja. And it's mentioned that the congregational prayer is superior to the individual prayer, the single prayer by 27 times. وفي رواية بخمس وعشرين درجة by 25 times in another narration. So how many good deeds can you get from that? كم من المكاسب التي هو يكسبها إذا هو حضر الجماعة? How many good deeds do you get if you attend the congregational prayer? وكم من الإثم يتحمله إذا هو تأخر لغير عذر عن عن هذه الجماعة? And how many sins will he get if he stays behind and doesn't come to this congregation? There's mentioned in the hadith that the Prophet wanted to burn the homes of the people who do not come to the congregation. Whoever leaves three Jumu'ah prayers out of laziness and slackness, then Allah seals that person's heart. This is the severe threat. He never had any excuse and he misses the Jum'ah, then the heart is sealed. فَإِنَّ الْمَعْذُورِ أَمَّا الْمَعْذُورِ The one who is excused, yes, يُسْقِطُ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ الْمَسْؤُولِيَّةِ Then there's no responsibility upon him if he is genuinely excused, illness, etc., بَلْ يُكْتَبْ لَهُ عَمَلُهُ الَّذِي كَانَ يَعْمَلُهُ فِي حَالِ صُحَّتِهِ Rather, he will get the full reward if that is what he normally used to do when he's well and he's not ill. الْمَرِيضُ وَالْمُسَافِرُ يُكْتَبُ لَهُ مَا كَانَا يَعْمَلَانِ فِي حَالِ صُحَّةِ وَفِي حَالِ الْإِقَامَةِ لِأَنَّهُمَ مَعْذُورَانِ 
Somebody who's ill and he can't attend the congregation, he'll still get the reward of the congregation because he normally attends the congregation. But just because he got ill, he couldn't come, he'll still get the reward of the congregation. Or somebody always comes, but then he goes traveling somewhere, so on the journey he can't catch the congregation anywhere, he'll get the reward for the congregation still. As for the one who has no excuse, as for the one who has no excuse, then this is a great danger upon him. It is feared that Allah will seal upon his heart. And that person may enter into innovation. It is from the signs of the people of innovation that they do not come to the congregation, they do not pray the Jum'ah. Then the Imam says, قَالَ الْمُؤَلِّفِ الْإِمَامَ الْبَرْبَهَارِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَمَنْ صَلَّى خَلْفَ إِمَامٍ فَلَمْ يَقْتَدِي بِهِ فَلَا صَلَاةَ لَهِ That whoever prays behind the Imam but he doesn't follow him, then there is no prayer for that person. If you pray behind the Imam, you must follow the Imam. The one who does not follow the Imam, then there is no prayer for him. But this phrase needs to be explained. هذه العبارة غير واضحة لكن ربما يقصد الذي يسبق الإمام That's the meaning of it. That's somebody who prays behind the Imam but goes ahead of the Imam. The Imam is finishing for example Al-Fatiha He says وَلَا الضَّالِينَ آمِينَ And then he's reading for example Al-Ikhlas قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدْ لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُلَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٌ Straight away, people already going into ruku'ah. Hasn't even said Allahu Akbar. Already people think he's finished the surah, he's ruku'ah now. So they start going. He hasn't even said Allahu Akbar, he isn't even going down yet. Or he just says Allah and everybody already in ruku'ah. They're ahead of him. This isn't correct. A person needs to stay behind the imam. Let him say Allahu Akbar, let him go into ruku'ah. Then follow him. So if you go ahead and you go too fast... Then the prayer will not be accepted. It is mentioned that a person who raises his head up before the Imam raises his head up, then it is feared Allah may change his head into the head of a donkey. That is mentioned in Hadith Aladhi Rawahu al Bukhari, Fi Sahihi, Wa Muslim Fi Sahihi. من رواية أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه فيخشى أن يحول الله رأسه رأس حمار الذي رفع رأسه قبل الإمام إنما قال النبي صلى إنما جعل الإمام ليؤتم به فإذا صلى قائما فصلوا قياما وإذا ركع فاركعوا وإذا رفع فارفعوا وإذا سجد فاسجدوا وإذا قاسم الله لمن حمده فقولوا ربنا ولك الحمد وفي رواية وإذا قرأ فأنصته ومختلف في صحتها The Prophet said that the Imam has been made to be followed إنما جعل الإمام ليؤتم به The Imam has been made so you follow him The Imam is there to be followed So when he prays standing up, pray standing up When he does the ruku' you follow him and do the ruku' When he raises up, then you follow him and raise up. When he goes to sujood, then you follow him and go into the prostration. 
And when he says, Sami'allahu liman hamida, then you say, Rabbana wa lakal hamda. Ashahid. Ju'ila al-imam, ma ju'ila al-imam illa li'utamma bih. The imam is there for the reason that you must follow behind him. Not go ahead of him and not even be at the same time as him. Be behind him. Follow him. فَلَا يُكَبِّرْ حَتَّى يُكَبِّرْ So don't say Allahu Akbar and start until the Imam says Allahu Akbar and starts the prayer. وَلَا يَرْكَعْ حَتَّى يَرْكَعْ And don't go down into Ruku' until the Imam goes down into Ruku' Don't when he finishes and says Allah, he hasn't even finished Allahu Akbar. Just start saying Allah and everybody's already into Ruku' finished. Before he even says Allahu Akbar and comes down into Ruku' everybody else is already in the Ruku' That's wrong. You have to wait. Let him say Allahu Akbar and go down into the Ruku'ah, then follow after him. When he says Sami'Allahu Liman Hamida, some people as soon as he says Sami'Allah, already they're standing up. They are standing up already, the Imam is still coming. That's wrong, you have to wait. Let the Imam say Sami'Allahu Liman Hamida and he stands up. Then you come up and say Rabbana wa lakal hamda. Don't go with the Imam directly, wait. Let him do it first and come behind him. This is the way to do it. Wala yasjud hatta yasjud. And the same with the prostration. Don't go into prostration until the imam does. So when you're in the prostration, for example, the first one you finished. And he says, Allahu Akbar, and you're sitting down. Now he's going to say, Allahu Akbar, to do the second one. As some people, as soon as he says, Allah, people are already in the sujood, their head is on the ground. And the imam hasn't come yet. The Imam hasn't even got his head on the ground yet. He hasn't finished saying Allahu Akbar. Some people are already in the prostration. It's wrong. You have to wait. Let him say Allahu Akbar. Let him go down and touch and then you follow him after that. So la yusabiq al-imam. Do not compete with the Imam. And as they say, you know the scholars they say, when are you going to finish your prayer? When are you going to finish your prayer and get up and walk away? When the Imam says, Assalamu alaikum, Assalamu alaikum, you can't get up and leave before that. So even if you are going fast in the prayer, doing everything in front of the Imam first, at the end, you can't leave before the Imam. You have to wait until he says, Assalamu alaikum, Assalamu alaikum. So why are you going so fast? It's not like you can finish the prayer first and get up and go and he's still praying. You have to wait until he finishes and says, Assalamu alaikum. So you're going to be with him till the end. So why going fast for? Wait and pray with him slowly because it's not like you can leave early anyway. You have to wait right till the end until he says, Assalamu alaikum, Assalamu alaikum. So if that's the case, there's no need for you to rush. Pray slowly. In the end, you can't go anywhere until you finish the prayer anyway. So it is not suitable for a person to go ahead. And there are three ways. One is that you follow the imam. That's good. Another one is that you go same time with the imam. That one, it's not good. The scholars, they spoke about it. The third one is you go ahead of the imam. And the scholars, they say your prayer is false if you do this. So the person must be careful and stay behind the imam. So the imam, he views... That the person who goes ahead of the imam during the prayer does the ruku' before the imam finishes the ruku' or starts the ruku' does the sujood before the imam does all of these things before the imam 
then that person, his prayer is false. You must be slow, wait behind the imam. That's the section at the end of the prayer. The section to the end of the prayer. The next section is talking about the topic of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. Enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. وَالْأَمْرُ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّهِي عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ بِالْيَدِ وَالْلِسَانِ وَالْقَلْبِ that you must enjoin the good and forbid the evil with your hand and your tongue and your heart without the sword. Al-amr bil-ma'roof al-munkar min ahem usul al-islam. Enjoining the good and forbidding the evil is one of the most important principles of Islam. Wa fihi ayat wa ahadith. There are many ayat and there are many ahadith. مِنْهَا قَوْلُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ مَنْ رَأَى مِنْكُمْ مُنْكَرًا فَلْيُغَيِّرْهُ بِيَدِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَضِعْ فَبِلِسَانِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَضِعْ فَبِقَلْبِهِ وَذَلِكَ أَضْعَفُ الْإِيمَانِ That whomsoever sees an evil then change it with his hand. If he's unable then with his tongue and if he's unable then with his heart. وَاحْتَرَزَ بِقَوْلِهِ بِلَا Meaning you do not go and attack the people with the sword. That is the way of the khawarij. When they make the khuruj and go out against the rulers and they kill the Muslims and spill the blood. That isn't what you do. So he mentions here, enjoining the good and forbidding the evil is not with the sword in that way. فَإِنَّ الْأَمْرِ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّهِ الْمُنْكَرِ عِنْدَهُمْ يَكُونُ بِالسَّيْفِ يعني بالخروج على الحكام وَهَذَا جَهْلٌ مِنْهُمْ وَسَفَهُ وَتَقَصُّدٌ لِلْفِتْنِ وَالْعِيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ وَكَمْ جَلَبُوا عَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ وَالْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنَ الْمَفَاسِدِ وَمِنْهَا سَفْكُ الدِّمَاءِ So the Khawarij, they think enjoining the good and forbidding the evil is going out against people with the swords and killing. And how much trouble they have brought to the Muslims by doing that. How much problems they have brought to the Muslims, how much corruption. الشاهد أن المسلمين مكلفون أن يقوموا بهذا الأصل في الإسلام الذي هو ميزة هذه الأمة وهو الأمر بالمعروف كل على حسب استطاعته لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها So the ummah it has a distinguishing factor a distinctive factor which is enjoining the good and forbidding the evil enjoining the good and forbidding the evil ميزة هذه الأمه So the person must enjoin that good and forbid the evil ومن أطاق أن يغيره أن يغير بيده كالسلطان والرجل في بيته وفي عمله so when a person is physically able to enjoin the good and forbid the evil, like the ruler or somebody in his household, the man of the household, or in your workplace, maybe there's something physically you can do to change something, then do so. And if you're not able to do that, then to change it with your tongue, and if you're not able to do that, then to change it or to have the, the, uh, in your heart the hatred towards that evil. There's an example that the Prophet ﷺ gave and we've mentioned this example before. 
The example about how some of the sailors, they go out on a boat. The sailors, they go out on a boat. And they have drinking water in barrels, water to drink. Because the seawater, the water of the ocean, of the sea, it has salt. So you can't drink it. So they have some barrels of water on the ship. But there's only a few barrels of water and they are on the top deck. They are on the top deck. The people in the bottom of the ship, those people, if they want the drinking water, they have to go up to the top and bring the water down. And it makes problems for everybody and it disturbs everyone, makes the noise for everyone. So the people in the bottom, they had an idea. They said, we are in the bottom the ship of the ship. We should make a hole in the ship and some water will come in, the seawater, and we will collect it. Then we can make wudu with the seawater, we can do ghusl with the seawater, it's allowed, permissible. So they said, we'll get this water, we can make wudu, we can make ghusl with this water, then we only have to bring one or two barrels for drinking, that's it. Then we won't make any problems for the people on top, we won't disturb them, nothing. So they decided to make this plan. If the people on that ship agree to this plan, what will happen? They will all drown. They will all drown, make a hole in the ship, they will all drown. But if they stop them, they do Al-Amr ibn Aruf wa Nahi al-Munkar. They stop them and they say, no, do not make the hole in the ship, you will drown us all. They stop them, enjoin the good and forbid the evil, then the ship will survive. Al-Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala said, this example is like the Sharia. The ship is the Sharia. If you let people make the holes in the Sharia, then it is like the Sunnah, it is sinking. And the Bid'ah is coming everywhere. So you have to stop people making the holes everywhere. You have to enjoin the good and forbid the evil. Every time they do the bid'ah, they are making holes everywhere. Stop them making these holes by enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. And that way then the sharia is kept alive, afloat. Yani the sunnah, it is spread and the bid'ah, it is stopped. So this is how a person should be with enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. Also, when you enjoin the good and forbid the evil, you have to be sure, you have to have knowledge. And you have to understand if the thing which you are enjoining and the thing which you are forbidding, you must have knowledge that this is right or wrong. You can't go somewhere and do Al-Amr bin Ma'roof if you don't know this is Ma'roof. If you don't even know this is Ma'roof, this is something good, then how are you going to command people to do it? Or maybe you see something, you think it's Munkar, but it's not. If you think it's Munkar and you have no knowledge, you go tell people don't do this, but it's actually allowed. So you have to have knowledge. Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah and the scholars, they said, to enjoin the good and forbid the evil, you must have knowledge. You must know ma huwa al-ma'roof and uh, what is the, uh, the good and what is the evil. So you can enjoin that good and you can forbid that evil. Also Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah said, when you enjoin the good and forbid the evil, there are three situations. Maybe you enjoin the good and forbid the evil and the outcome is that the goodness spreads. So that's good, do it. Sometimes maybe you enjoin the good and forbid the evil, but the outcome is just the same as what it was before. No change really. The third situation is, 
You sometimes enjoy the good and forbid the evil, but the result is actually worse than what it was first. Ibn Taymiyyah, I think he mentioned an example. He said if some people are drinking alcohol, khamar, they're drinking alcohol. So you go and you enjoy the good, forbid the evil, you take away the alcohol, you tell them you can't drink this, it's haram. So you enjoy the good, forbid the evil, you stop this evil. But those people, now they have no alcohol left. So instead they go out on the streets and they beat the people up and they kill the people and they steal from people's houses because they're bored. They have nothing to do now. They've run out of alcohol. So by you stopping them doing that, they've ended up doing something which is even worse. So sometimes you have to think, if I enjoin this good and forbid this evil, will the outcome expected to be even worse? If that is the case, then leave it. You can't do it then. Find some other way. But you have to be ensured then you have to be sure that the outcome will be good, that the enjoining of the good and forbidding the evil will bring benefit. If it will not, and it will make it worse, then you do not do it in that situation. Find some other way. So that's what we'll conclude today. And inshallah, we'll carry on next week from the next section, the next point uh, in the lesson next week at the same time, inshallah. الشيخ سؤال بالنسبة للسؤال السلام مع الديول بيقول إنه ما في مشكلة صح يعني في كلام بس فأنا شوف معظم الناس يسلموا مع الإمام الإمام يسلم سلام عليكم على طول مع الإمام هذا المثل بروف سين ذا يوم people give the salam sometimes people give the salam when the imam gives the salam he says السلام عليكم and the people straight away they give the salam as well really the fuqaha, they say you should wait. Let the imam say, Assalamu alaikum, then you follow him. That's the best way to do it. You should wait. But everybody, they're so uh, hasty. They're hasty. They want to finish quickly. As soon as the imam, Assalamu alaikum, everybody, Assalamu alaikum. Even then, you might end up going ahead of the imam. So you have to be careful even then. It's common. Many people, many people, as soon as the imam, Assalamu alaikum, they all start, Assalamu alaikum, straight away. So it's not good because uh, if you are same with the imam, then there is some, uh, some of the scholars, they speak very severe even about that, if you are same. But the problem, the big problem is if you go first. If you go ahead of the imam, then the scholars, they say your prayer is wrong. It's nullified. If you are same, then there is some speech of the scholars. Some say it's problem, some say it's okay. But still you should avoid that, stay behind. Let the imam say assalamu alaikum and then say it. It's only one second. Just wait and be behind the imam and don't be next to him, following him equal. You should be slightly behind. That's the best way. Hmm. So we'll carry it next week, inshallah.